Module 6. Spreading Curiosity Don't just do something, sit there. Yes, you heard that correctly. Don't just do something, sit there is a play on the common don't just sit there, do something phrase that we've probably all heard. Perhaps the don't just do something, sit there fits all the stereotypes about psychiatrists. I heard a bunch of jokes in medical school about the different medical specialties. One of my favorites that I lovingly rib my dermatologist father-in-law with is, if it's wet, dry it. If it's dry, wet it. If you don't want it, don't touch it. The one-liner about psychiatry is that it's the profession for the lazies and the crazies. Yes, the movies portray it pretty well. Just sitting there doodling or daydreaming while your patient goes on and on about this or that could come across as pretty lazy. Don't just do something sit there was definitely one of the best one-liners that I learned in residency. Why? It speaks directly to the heart of the fix-it habit loop. If my patient is suffering and I jump in trying to fix them without really taking the time to figure out what the right course of action is, I'm doing them a disservice. Yet it goes much deeper than that. Going back to the dermatology joke about if you don't want it, don't touch it, this might be a nod to the good old days when syphilis was all the rage and disposable gloves and penicillin weren't at the ready. I'm not touching that. And today we know a whole lot more about contagion. We wash our hands between patients. We glove up against rashes. We mask up against airborne pathogens. We suit up when things get really crazy. But what about infections that can spread no matter how gloved, masked, or suited up we are? Yes, I'm talking about social contagion, especially emotional contagion. Emotional contagion is the spread of affect or emotion from one person to another. Think about it. Maybe someone smiles at you and you feel happy. Someone posts outrage on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and suddenly you're fired up, enraged as well, retweeting with a this sucks comment before you even realize your thumb has hit the button. Whether you're masked up or not, six feet won't save you from someone sneezing on your brain via the internet. So why is emotional contagion so infectious? Let's start with some neuroscience. Emotions have a relatively short half-life compared to, say, glaciers. Okay, maybe not the best example given how we're doing with climate change. Let me try that again. Emotions are relatively short compared to seasons of the year, or how long it takes you to empty your email inbox. Yet emotions don't have to be long-lived to be spread. Think of emotional contagion as a mental sneeze. Someone can sneeze fear or anxiety on your brain with as little as a look on their face, and you might catch it without even being aware of what's happening. Emotional contagion is generally spread through facial expression, tone of voice, and other body language. We catch it by unconsciously mirroring these facial expressions, postures, or vocalizations of that person, and by reflecting the other person's emotions. For example, if someone is smiling at you, you might instinctively smile back and even start to feel the joy that comes with smiling. Emotional contagion even links with empathy because it fosters emotional synchrony between individuals. Your brain automatically puts you in their shoes, or more accurately, it puts you in their head or emotional mind state via your face. By mimicking their emotions, you feel where they're coming from. Even though emotional contagion generally relies on nonverbal communication, it is contagious enough that it can also be spread through other means. For example, as I mentioned, social media is a perfect petri dish for rapid growth and spread. Outrage, surprise, and kindness go viral for a reason. 
they are really contagious. Just think about how quickly fake news spreads on social media. For example, a study in Science Magazine showed that fake news stories are 70% more likely to be retweeted and spread six times faster than real news. Yes, intensity is like rocket fuel. The more intense the emotion, the bigger the spark for that post or that retweet button, and the faster the message blasts off and is spread around the world. Even though emotional contagion and empathy are linked, there is one important difference. With empathy, the observer is more aware that this feeling is a result of perceiving emotion in the other. With emotional contagion, the emotion is captured, but the observer lacks this awareness. When infected, the observer believes that this feeling is their own. Remember that over-empathizing habit loop? That's right. Whereas empathy might be a helpful process, over-empathizing and totally getting lost in the story is more akin to an emotional virus infecting our healthy minds and turning things cancerous. Don't worry, like HPV, there's a vaccine for it, and we'll get to this in a minute. First, there's one more thing to note about how emotional contagion can be toxic or even cancerous. In addition to catching someone's freak-out cold, we start unconsciously acting out whatever that emotion is and spreading it ourselves. Veering into slightly less scientific territory here, emotional contagion is akin to zombification. You catch a mood from someone and then mindlessly spread it to others. According to some bad movies that I've watched, when you're bitten by a zombie, you quickly transform into one. How quickly? The closest case study I could find was from the game Minecraft. Apparently, in the overworld, piglins transform into zombies after 15 seconds. I think this is a conservative estimate for humans, given what we see on social media. You read someone's outraged social media post, and with little awareness of what happens next, thanks to your thumb and a handy retweet button, you spread that to other people pretty quickly. How fast does that happen? Let's just say pretty quickly. Yes, emotional contagion can take over our brains pretty quickly, provoking us to do all sorts of things. And it's not just humans. For example, dogs can smell the fear of someone in front of them, prompting them to feel fearful and threatened and react by attacking as a form of self-defense. Has this type of reaction ever happened to you? Have you ever overreacted during a patient visit or with a family member? Have you ever gone into an exam room calm and collected and left feeling anxious, angry, or incredulous, saying to yourself, I can't believe that just happened? Afterwards, you think to yourself, I can't believe I just did that. That's not me. I don't know what possessed me to act that way. Add emotional zombification or social contagion to your differential diagnosis. So how can you protect yourself when your patient, your colleague, your child or spouse calls, texts, or walks into the room and you see that they're about to sneeze on your brain? You see their face and you see that my head is about to explode look because they're so frustrated, angry, or anxious. Ah, psychiatrists are good for something, right? So lean in, listen closely. The research on emotional contagion is a bit thin when it comes to treatment. So here we'll draw a bit from biology. We know that vaccines can help to minimize symptoms and prevent the spread of certain viruses. And we also know from biology that competition works pretty well. For example, if you keep your gut populated with the right microbiota, you can prevent yourself from getting C. diff or some other type of unhealthy bacterial overgrowth. Along the same lines, we also know from behavioral neuroscience 
that more rewarding behaviors will outcompete less rewarding behaviors. Bringing all of this together, we can see what grows best in the petri dishes of our minds. Let's do a thought experiment together. Imagine a patient walks in, sits down, and just starts talking about how anxious they are. If you jump in and try to fix them, they might say that they've already tried that, or you don't listen, or worse, look at you like you're callous. Or maybe you remember the don't just do something, sit there koan. They're sneezing anxiety right onto your brain at close quarters. Perhaps you start to get anxious. Maybe you can think of a time when this actually happened. Okay, now on to the next part of the experiment. Remember that don't just do something, sit there koan? Take a deep breath or two and let go of any of that anxiety that you just caught. Now, imagine if you could meet that anxiety with curiosity. What might this look like? Well, what does anxiety feel like? What does curiosity feel like? Which one feels better? Yes, back to our basic biological principles, curiosity outcompetes anxiety when it comes to which one is more rewarding. If you need some science here, my lab actually did this experiment. And yes, it wasn't even a contest. In a study of several hundred people, they preferred curiosity. In a runaway victory, curiosity was the winner. Yes, curiosity is much more rewarding than anxiety, hands down. So now imagine meeting your patients, your colleagues, or your partner's anxiety, or whatever contagious emotion it is, with curiosity, instead of closing off to that emotion or catching it. You can think of curiosity as an effective mental vaccination, so to speak, due to its ability to outcompete anxiety. As a bonus, when you have a high viral load of curiosity, you're more likely to spread it to others. Yes, curiosity is more rewarding, and it too can be contagious. If you're aware of what's happening, when your patient, your coworker, or your partner sneezes anxiety, frustration, or anger on you, you can sneeze back with curiosity. Kindness and compassion work the same way. If your patient, coworker, or partner sneezes judgment or criticism on you, you can zoom in on the fact that they are suffering, and you can watch yourself naturally respond with compassion. If you judge yourself a lot, use kindness as the antidote. Hopefully, you've already been playing with increasing your kindness tighter so that it's already outcompeting and replacing your self-judgmental habit loops. So circling back to the beginning of this module, with all of this in mind, you can probably see why I found that don't just do something sit there koan so helpful. I had already been building my own mental microbiota by meditating during medical school so I was at least partially immunized. When my patients come in sneezing emotions, I can meet them with curiosity and kindness. These help prevent me from that mental zombification, and more importantly, help my patients calm down as they catch my curious interest. Because I'm not habitually turning away from their pain, they feel listened to. Without the fear of catching some unhealthy contagion, we can connect. Here's a way to build your mental curiosity. Don't worry, you've actually already got it. It may be just sitting latent in your brain. All you have to do is let it come out and give it the right conditions so it can grow and multiply. Think of anxiety and anything else that makes you feel closed down as a curiosity growth inhibitor. Fortunately, curiosity is its own growth factor. Simply add a little curiosity to a situation, stir, and it starts growing on its own. So to build curiosity, First, be on the lookout for growth inhibitors. 
A simple diagnostic test is to listen to what these inhibitors sound like. That, oh no, this isn't going well voice in your head is that alarm bell signaling you that you're getting infected or slipping into an old habit loop of turning away as a self-protective mechanism. Now take that oh part of the oh no. What does it sound like when you're curious? Oh, not that oh really of feigned or fake curiosity that really masks judgment or cynicism. I'm talking about that 100% pure grass-fed curiosity that you had when you were outside exploring nature as a kid. Oh, what's this? Oh, what's that? That's what I'm talking about. That open feeling that comes with that upward inflection of, oh. At a very high titer, curiosity can even blossom into wonder. If you're not into owing, try humming instead. What does it feel like in your body when you go, hmm? You might even do this when asking yourself, hmm, how do I know when I'm curious? Hmm, good question. It might be worth exploring. Here's an example of a doctor from Kenya using the tools of this module. Quote, spreading curiosity reminded me of this time I was studying psychiatry in the UK. I used to go around the place with a smile on my face. It's a miserably cold country during winter, and one doctor asked me what I was smiling about. I read the anxiety and annoyance on his face. I did not catch his negativity. This confirms what the module taught me, that curiosity is also a contagion, but is more rewarding than negativity, which can be toxic. So play with these concepts today. Keep an eye out for emotional contagion. It's everywhere. The workplace, home, social media. Really, it is everywhere. Washing your hands or masking up won't help with this public health crisis. Fortunately, awareness can help, so give it a try. Notice when you're being bitten by a bad bug, the kind of social contagion that zombifies you into spreading negativity, stress, outrage, disconnection, and other social pollutants. Notice the tone of voice, whether it's theirs or in your head. Then see if you can clear the air with a deep breath and an oh or a hmm. Could that oh help protect you from catching cynicism? Could curiosity even spread kindness? Hmm. Are you cynical of whether this can actually work? If so, make a note of which one feels better, spreading cynicism or curiosity. Remember, the more rewarding behavior will get laid down more and more in your brain. Bringing this all to a close, if each of the thoughts that we breathe in and out colors the thought stream in the air that we share with others, which one is more refreshing? Which one tastes terrible and spreads ugliness in the world? which one freshens up the air instead of staking up the world. Even taking a moment to do this reflection provides a helpful growth medium so your brain supports the replication of curiosity and kindness for a cleaner and better world for all of us. If you want to make curiosity or humming a habit, think of it like washing your hands every time you enter an exam room or meet with a new patient or client. If you are literally washing your hands, Take a moment to disinfect your mind by getting curious about your own mental state in that moment, by humming at the same time. Make sure both your hands and your brain aren't carrying anything into your next encounter. Onward, we'll see you in the next module.